Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. It does sound kind of like a broken record. I think that's the fourth, fourth time now we've said it this morning, but we mean it. We're so glad to have everyone here. I've said it before, I'll say it again. We mean what we say on the sign at the front door. All are welcome. Jesus called all who were weary and heavy laden because he was going to give rest. We have the same call. All are always welcome here at Lensley Avenue. So, so glad to see everyone. We've got a nice crowd. We've got a number of people who are not here today, so we're glad everybody who is here is here to help us out. Let me repeat, we've had a few people come in since I made the opening announcements. We have warm food to send with anybody who wants it. Matt ate some of it the other day. This is not left over from last week, so we're not talking about uh, old, old food. This is uh, still Thanksgiving lunch material, it's uh, turkey, it's dressing, sweet potatoes, all sorts of goodies that has been warmed up by some of the uh, individuals over here. If you want some, if you want to take two, or you want to take three, if you really know somebody who would use it, wait over here once everything is over and let that be all put together and then we're happy to send it with you. We're going to have a cold week, so if you're here and you need some better way to stay warm, we're not in the business of giving 10 coats to people when you really can only wear one, but we've got things that what we have, we are very happy to share. Uh, Janet is kind of heading that up for us today. Raise your hand really high for me there. So see her, and if you come to me, I will send you to her and she can help coordinate, whether it's jackets, socks, shirts, a few pants. We're looking to try to expand that, but obviously we are not a department store. So. We don't have red and green striped pants, which seem to be all the rage. I really appreciated you wearing those the other day. Um, so anyway, if you need something to stay warm, that's the goal. See us before you leave. We'll try to help out. This morning's topic is titled, Abraham, the Father of the Faithful. Uh, I had a suggestion uh, from my wife to cover some of the Old Testament individuals uh, just to learn from their lives and draw lessons out from them. And this will be the first of several things that we do over the next couple of months. Abraham, the father of the faithful. I thought that picture looked a bit grim, but not quite as, as uh, uh, you know, mean as it might could have been. He looks like a very serious man, and so I, I like that image of Abraham. So let's talk about Abraham. Originally, Abraham is simply called Abram. So if you're reading, as Powell did from Genesis 12, and early on in the book of uh, Genesis, you'll read his name as Abraham. Abram. See, I'm going to do it all, all morning. And we remember him usually as Abraham, so I don't, I don't kind of split hairs with it. If you want to say Abraham all the time, that's fine. It's the same guy. And so we're talking about Abram or Abraham. He's first mentioned in Genesis 11. And for the next 14 chapters, he's the primary focus, really, of the book of Genesis. He's been called the father of the faithful. The father of the faithful. Why? Let's see. Why has Abraham been called the father of the faithful? Back to what Howell read earlier. We're going to have a number of readings from Genesis. I like to let the text, let's let the Bible speak for itself and see what we can learn from it. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. 
I will bless those who bless you, and I will place a curse on those who harm you. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. What a promise made to this man, Abram. Did you notice God tells Abram to leave and go? That was why I underlined the two big things here are leave and go. That's what God wants Abram to do. Why, Abram? We don't really know. Why did God pick Abram or Abraham out of all the people who were living? Don't know. We're not told. But God tells Abram that he will make his descendants a great nation. A little later, he tells him that he's going to have a son. Abram and his wife Sarai, or Abraham and Sarah, are childless at this point, and they're both getting a bit more advanced in years, let's just say. If two people of their age had a, a child today, we would almost call that a miracle, and God is certainly involved in the situation when Abram and Sarah, uh, Abraham and Sarah have a child. Through that child, through Abram's lineage, through his descendants, all people on earth will be blessed through him. But it starts with God saying, leave and go. So Abram gets up and goes. And it's such a long journey. Here's a map to show us where he's going. He starts all the way down here in Sumer. Uh, Sumerian people were one of the first places that we have dug up things from that show civilization being organized, cities being organized. This is around 2000 BC, 2000 years before Jesus, 4,000 years ago, so this is some time ago. By this time, this area had had some civilization for a rather long time. You may remember, I hate to bring up the memory of a high school history class, but Hammurabi and Hammurabi's code and all these different rulers had been there for some time. Egypt already had the pyramids by this time. But Abram's over here in what's called Mesopotamia, the land between the rivers. And when God tells him to leave and go, he's actually all the way up in number two, Haran, up here at the top. His family, if you look at the text, his family had already left Ur, down here at the bottom, and had gone up to Haran, up there where number two is, in the north. And that appears to be where Genesis 12 is recorded where God tells him to leave his father's family. His father's family is all up here at number two. They stay up there at number two and then travel down. This total journey is about a thousand miles. Now, if you were to say, come on, Gene, let's go. We've got a car out here. We're going to stop in a thousand miles. I would likely think twice. A thousand miles in a car seems to me anyway to be a rather long trip. I don't like much more if I have to than five or six hundred miles. And they've been antsy after five or six hundred miles. A thousand miles and they're not in a car. They're walking or have camels. This is a long, long journey. And they're leaving family and they're going someplace Abraham doesn't know where they're going. A thousand miles. But they eventually leave from Iran up here in the north and get down to the land of Canaan that is very much a, a term and a place that's referenced throughout the rest of the Bible comes to be known as Israel. That's often referred to as the promised land because Abram and Abraham were promised a land over here. When the children of Israel leave Egypt, right, which is a different story, but when they leave Egypt, they come back to the promised land 
here in Canaan. But it all starts with God telling Abram to leave and go. Leave and go. After a long time, he gets down to the land of Canaan. He gets down to this promised land. After a long time, 25 years after Genesis 12, 25 years after the promise is made that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him and that God would make out of Abram or Abraham a great nation. 25 years later, the son of the promise, Isaac, was born to Abraham and his wife, Sarah. I always love the fact that the name Isaac means laughter. Sarah had overheard visitors tell Abraham and remind him that, yes, you really will have a son. And so she's over in a tent listening, most of us would be listening. She hears it and goes, ha, can you imagine me, a mother, right? A mom at my age. And so they tell her, say, don't name that, you don't have that son, you're going to remember this because you laughed when you heard the promise from God. So her entire life, the rest of her life, whenever she called her son to her, Isaac, she would remember having laughed and how she had the joy of being a mother even at such an advanced age. Isaac grows up, and then when he is somewhere perhaps 8 to 10 years old, we're not quite sure, I'm not quite sure, I'll say it that way, how old he is, God speaks to Abram again. And now we're going to be over in Genesis 22. This will be a longer reading, so stay with me. Stay with me with this reading from Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham's faith. Now God will often test our faith. Things come up in life that require us to make choices. Are we going to continue to follow after God or are we going to change direction? God tests Abraham's faith. God said to him, Abraham, and he answered. I, I tend to think he jumped. God spoke to me. I'm sure I would jump. He says, here I am. Then God said, take your only son, Isaac, the son you love, go to the land of Moriah, kill him there, and offer him as a whole burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, that's a test. That's a test. This is the son who had been promised. This is the son that he had waited 25 years, plus or minus, in order to have. This is the son that God had indicated was going to be the descendant, the child through whom Abraham would bring a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. And what? God wants me to take and offer Isaac as a sacrifice? Now, as an aside, if God speaks to you today, please, let's talk. Don't follow this kind of direction. If you hear a voice telling you to start sacrificing people, today, let's talk. God spoke directly to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He really doesn't talk to us that way today, so let's talk before any of that happens. So I know this is odd. What would you have done? I often wonder if I would have pretended to be hard of hearing. Because I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. Son and daughter are here today. I cannot imagine. What did Abraham do? Abraham got up early in the morning. Did you notice that? Early in the morning? It sure sounds like God spoke to him maybe late in the previous evening. Because right? I think he would have simply said, Abraham saddled his donkey, 
If it had been in the morning, if Abraham had been eating some breakfast and God had spoken to him, I don't think he would have said, got up early in the morning. You think he slept? You think Abraham was able to sleep? I can't, I, I can't believe that he was able to. But he got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He took Isaac and two servants with him. He cut the wood for the sacrifice, and they went to the place God had told them to go, somewhere in a mountain in Moriah, not where they were living. On the third day, so it took two days to get there, the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. My son and I will go over there and worship, and then we will come back to you. Notice the pronoun. We will come back to you. God had said for him to offer his son. He could easily have said, then I will come back to you. Abraham is he's, he's obviously thinking. He's, I really truly think he's still focused. This is the son of the promise. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but God will bring both of us back here. We will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood for the sacrifice and gave it to his son to carry. Isaac's carrying the own wood that might turn out to be the wood upon which the burnt offering is made of Isaac himself. But he himself, Abraham himself, took the knife and the fire. He and his son went on together. Isaac, smart boy, Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, Abraham said, Yes, my son. We have the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb that we will burn as a sacrifice? Now notice, if Isaac is 8 to 10 years old, Isaac has already been involved in worshiping God. He knows what a sacrifice was. He knows what was involved in a sacrifice. He had been trained as a child about God and the worship that was done for God at this time. That's something for us to consider as we would want to train our children and teach them how to worship God today. So he says, we have the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb that we're going to use for the sacrifice? He said, we're going to go sacrifice and worship. We're missing something, huh? We're missing something. Look at Abraham's answer. He never seems to, to waver, does he? He's already gotten up. He already said, we will come back. God will give us the lamb for the sacrifice, my son. What God had told him is his son was going to be the sacrifice. His son was going to be the lamb. Abraham's Still not wavering. God promised. God promised. You think he's repeating that to himself as he's walking? I think so. So Abraham and his son went on together and came to the place God had told him about. Abraham built an altar. It's not like he just walked up and then it all stopped. He gets to where it is and he's got to assemble stones and lay out the stones to build this raised altar platform. While his son is over there, probably, I assume, holding fire, torch, whatever it is. And it takes a while. He built an altar there. He laid the wood on it. And then he turned and tied up his son, Isaac. Laid him on the wood of the altar. There's no record that Isaac was screaming or fussing or... And Abraham took his knife and was about to kill his son. That's where you usually will find pictures. If you Google that, you'll find lots of pictures of this very dramatic moment of a knife raised in the air ready to 
do what God told them to do. But, I always love seeing the word but in the text. Because it always tells me change is coming. If I, if I could have those highlighted in a different color, that would be great because that's the inflection point. That's the change. But, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham, to Abram from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Life's in the air. Abraham answered, yes. <laughs> the angel said, do not kill your son or hurt him in any way. Now I can see that you trust God and you have not kept your son, your only son, from him. What do we love most? I love my family. I really do. This is the ultimate test for Abraham of whether you love things here more than you love God. Now God's not going to tell me to sacrifice my children, but he's always told me to leave things of the world behind and put God first. <clears throat> do I do that? Mm -hmm. Does my life the last week show that God was first? Did I have time for God this last week? Then Abraham looked up and saw a male ram caught in a bush by its horns. Abraham was correct. You notice that? Abraham had told Isaac, God will provide the sacrifice. Abraham looked up and saw a male ram caught in a bush by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and killed it. He offered it as a whole burnt offering to God and his son was saved. So Abraham named that place, the Lord provides. And he does. The Lord provides everything we need. What a test. Abraham passes the test. Abraham passes the test. What a test that was. As I say, did you notice that Abraham was consistent in saying God would provide a sacrifice? There's nothing in that story that's recorded that in any way suggests Abraham was, he had to have been worried. I mean, the steely-eyed missile man, right, you might say, somebody that was determined. He consistently was focused on doing what God told him, but was convinced it was not going to require the sacrifice of Isaac. Even though God had said he would offer his son, Abraham trusted God. Why? Because God had said Isaac would be born the son of the promise, and that through him, a great nation and blessings would come to all people. Now, we were just in Genesis 22. We started in Genesis 12. We were just in Genesis 22. I think the big thing, the big thing I want us to learn this morning, it's actually kind of in the middle. It's in Genesis 15. Genesis 15. So let's go there. Genesis 15, 1 through 6. And this is before the sacrifice, right? That's in chapter 22. This is after he left his family and went to the different land. After these things happened, the Lord spoke to his, his word to Abram in a vision, saying, Abraham, do not be afraid. I will defend you, and I will give you a great reward. Abraham is, is, is a bit irritated at this point, right? It's been a while, still no son. And so Abraham speaks his mind. Now, I've told you before. This is not disrespectful. God knows what we think anyway. And so tell God what you're thinking and what you're feeling. David does that all throughout the Psalms. Abraham does it here. He says, look, 
Hopefully it wasn't too disrespectful. But he says, look, you've given me no son, so a slave born in my house will inherit everything I have. I was promised a son, but there is no son yet. So if I die, everything I've got goes to a slave born in my house. Then the Lord spoke his word to Abraham. He, the slave son, will not be the one to inherit what you have. You will have a son of your own who will inherit what you have. Then God led Abraham outside and said, look up, look at the sky. There are so many stars you cannot count. Your descendants will also be too many to count. Now, if you go outside tonight, downtown Nashville, you'll be lucky to see any stars. And the brightest thing you see will probably be the planet Jupiter. But if you can get out of town, it is truly an amazing sky filled with different twinkling lights. There's no town with bright night lights where Abraham is. He would have seen more stars than you and I will ever see, I suspect. God reaffirms his promise to Abraham right here. What's the promise? You will have a son of your own who will inherit what you have. Great nations going to come from it. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Here's the big thing. Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord accepted Abraham's faith. And that faith made him right with God. That is the big thing. Abraham accepted what God had told him. He believed God, he trusted God, that God would do what he said, and that faith, we use that word a lot, but that confidence, that trust that Abraham displayed is why. In Genesis 22, Abram was able to go with Isaac after God had said to sacrifice his son. Abraham had already decided in his heart, I believe, I trust God, I have confidence in God. God saw that confidence. That is why Abraham is called the father of the faithful. God spoke, Abraham believed it, and that faith, that belief was accepted by God and made Abraham right with God. As I said, that's the big thing. But the big thing that it also applies to each of us. That same confidence, that trust, that belief that we should have with the promises God has made to us, that's what we need to accept. That's what we need to have is the same kind of trust and confidence and faith that Abraham said. Now God has not spoken, I don't think, to any of us saying a great nation is going to come out of us. But he made a lot of tremendous promises to us as well. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, I will, I will receive you to myself. A promise for what happens when we die. Jesus had also said that he who believes and is baptized, he who repents, he who understands and accepts who I am, will be saved. There's a lot of promises. Where's the important part? Was the important part that Abraham offered his son Isaac? It demonstrated his faith. It demonstrated that trust. It demonstrated that confidence. But the big thing is right here. His faith 
Make it right with God. Our faith can too. It's not going to be a faith that never shows itself with action without it. No, it has to be a faith that shows itself with actions. It's not going to be a barren faith that never generates caring about other people, that never generates good works, but it's not the good works that are going to save any of us. It's our faith in who Jesus is and what he did. Period. Look in Hebrews 11. Abraham is remembered in that great chapter of Heroes of Faith. Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God's call to go to another place God had promised to give him. He left where his family was and went. Remember? Go and leave. And so Abraham got up and went. Look at the next statement. He left his own country not knowing where he was going. He obeyed God even though he had no real idea of what the specifics were going to be. He believed God, but it generated action that he got up and went. That he got up and went. It was by faith that he lived like a foreigner in the country God promised to give him. He lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob who received the same promise from God. And then the writer here in Hebrews says, Abraham was waiting for the city that has real foundations, the city planned and built by God. That's where we are all building. It's my faith, confident, trusting, a belief in what God has in store for me, which are great things. Are we living by faith like Abraham did? That's my real question. Do you have the faith remotely like Abraham had? Do you believe that Jesus was born, that he lived that perfect life, that he came to seek and save the lost, which is all of us? And with that perfect life, instead of leaving this sinful earth and simply going back to be with his father, he went to the cross to die in my place. He died offering himself as the price for my own foolish, sinful choices. With the statement to me that I need to understand what he did and I need to turn my life around, repent, about face, with walking away from God and start walking back to God, living better every day, knowing I'm still going to make mistakes, but headed home to God. And then dying like Jesus did and being buried like Jesus was so that God can raise me up, all my sins washed away by God, so that I can walk as a ground as a new person, a member of God's family. The invitation is always open. If you're not yet a member of God's family, God's waiting for you right now. If you are, but you turned around again and started heading away from God. You've been living more for yourself than you have been for God. It's time to turn around again. And what we do with that is we simply go to God in prayer together. Ask forgiveness not only for you, but for all of us. God is always listening and ready to welcome back those who turn to Him. If there's anything we can do for you today, now is the time as we stand and sing.